Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Thank you, Matt and team, for leading us today. Pastor Bill is headed to family camp with a little over 100 of our other people going. So you get me today. That's the bad news. The good news is you get out early. So, you know, it, it works. That wasn't very nice, was it? Thank you for whoever said that, Johnny. I'll pay you later. <clears throat> I, and I always count it the privilege to be with you guys preaching. I'm one of eight kids growing up. I have one sister who's 10 years older than I am, and then there were seven boys. She's never married. That tells you how bad we were as kids. She didn't want anything to do with men. But there are seven boys, and we were a pretty rough lot. I was a good one of the bunch, to be honest with you. So that's how bad it was. But my dad uh, loved the Lord. My mom and dad raised us in the Lord, not just in church, but in the Lord. And, but my dad was a rough guy. Um, I think he went to school with Archie Bunker, if that, some of you know who Archie is. So he was just hard. But here's the spiritual lesson he drilled into us all of our lives. A lot of different lessons, but this is the one I'll never forget. He would say, guys... Everybody who walks with the Lord much is going to at some time have a, what we call a wilderness experience. In today's sermon, I'm talking about how to get out of the blues. And some of you may be there right now. You, you may be struggling with stuff and just, man, you can't get it back in gear. You know, how do we avoid that? Um, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I've never had to deal with depression particularly. I've had two of my kids who have and had a tough time with it and they've gotten on the other side of it. And I get that. Some of you that way. Some of you in this room have issues, anger, bitterness. you got a terrible marriage and, or you got a terrible job. You just feel like you're out in the, in the wilderness by yourself. Hey, you're not alone. You know, if, you, if you'll turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, that's in the Old Testament. I know you might not know where that is, but I'll give you time to get there. Uh, and I don't have the sermon notes like Pastor Bill. You're lucky to get a couple of slides from me, so enjoy what you got, okay? But Elijah, this is a story about Elijah. James chapter 5 verse 17 says that James, I mean that, that Elijah had a nature just like all men. Even though he was a prophet and God used him in a great way, he was just like you and I. So when you think, well, God can't use me. Yes, God can. He wants to. But Elijah went through a really tough wilderness experience. And if you'll go back to to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, you'll find that he announced to the world, there are going to be three years of no rain. Now, if I stood up and said that to you, some of these farmers in the church would shoot me, okay? I'm just telling you, that's not anything anybody wants to hear. But that was, that's what a prophet did. He gave the word of God, and sometimes it was not what people wanted to hear. And he had, there in verse 1 of of chapter 17, he said, hey, it's going to be three years of drought. You look at verse 17, he raises the widow's son from the dead. Come into chapter 18 of 1 Kings, and this is where Elijah hits his high point. Jezebel, and we'll read about Jezebel in chapter 18, but Jezebel and her husband Ahab, uh, king and queen, 
And Jezebel worshiped the God of Baal, B-A-A-L. Not a real God. There's only one true God. But she had 450 prophets of Baal. These were her guys. And so Elijah says, okay, fellas, let's see who God, whose God is real. You'll see this in the um, verse, uh, uh, well, let me get to uh, verse 20 of chapter 18. So he tells the prophets of Baal, you guys build an altar here with rock, and you put the cow on there, the wood, the cow, and then you pray to your God, Baal, and ask him to light the fire. And he said, when you get done, I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to ask Jehovah God, the real God, to light the fire. You can read the story there, but the 450 prophets, man, they built the altar, they put the wood on, they put the calf on there, the cow on there, and they prayed and they prayed. And you'll see in the, uh, at, at verse 27, it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, call out with a loud voice, for he's a God. Either he's a, uh, occupied or he's gone aside or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. I mean, Elijah is poking fun at these guys because they can't get anything to happen. And then you come down to about um, verse uh, 30, and Elijah says to the people, come near to me. This is chapter 18. All, so all the people came near him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He took 12 stones. He put the wood on there. He put the cow on to be sacrificed. He dug a ditch around the altar. It would hold about five gallons of water. He told them two or three times, pour water on the sacrifice. Pour water on the sacrifice. And then he prayed. And God came and struck that with fire from heaven. It burnt not only the cow up, the wood up, the stones up. It dried all the water up. There was no doubt in anybody's mind that Elijah served the living God. And you know what? You and I serve the same God. Never, never forget that. And there are the 450 prophets of Baal and their measly little sacrifice over there. And their God hadn't done anything. All right, big, big victory. And then <clears throat> Elijah says, hey, in verse, um, oh, I'll find it. Verse, uh, boy, it's bad when you go, get old and you forget where it's at. Let me just tell you, trust me. He said, let's kill all 450 prophets. Y'all will get old one day. So he kills the 450 prophets of Baal, Jezebel's guys, okay? And then in, in verse 42, he says, it's time for it to rain. So he's called on God to burn up the offering. He's killed the prophets of Baal. And it hadn't rained in three years. And Elijah in verse 44, and about at the seventh time, he'd sent a servant out. Hey, go out and look at the clouds. Look at the clouds. Look at the clouds. About the seventh time, the servant came and said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. If you can imagine, you've seen this cloud out in the distance. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, Jezebel's husband, prepare your chariot, go down so that the heavy showers do, does not stop you. He's giving Ahab time to say, hey, get on back to Jezebel. You're fixing to get flooded out. And then it rained. In a little while, the sky grew dark, black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. That's where Jezebel was at. And look at this verse in verse 46. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Now you're talking about a guy, now we've, we've had retreat experiences that have been unbelievable. 
We've had youth camps that, you know, you can name all the great things that have happened in our church. And we, and my most humble but accurate opinion, we have an awesome church, okay? God has done some great things in the lives of you. Boy, am I grateful for that. That's what Elijah was. But now let's go to chapter 19 and let's see what happens to him. Verse 1. Now Ahab, he got back to Jezreel, and he told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Now let me just tell you, Jezebel is not a good woman. You don't want to be married to a Jezebel. Let me just tell you. It'd be a hard woman to, be live, to live with. No offense, ladies. Don't get upset about that. I'm just telling you. Verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, and it's interesting, she sent a message. She could have sent somebody to kill him right then, but she didn't want to make a martyr out of Elijah. So she said, hey, Elijah. She said, so may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Hey, Elijah, I'm going to do to you exactly what you did to my 450 prophets of Baal. Now, you would think that Elijah would stand up and say, hey, let me remind you, lady, or you can say the message, go back and tell her, did you not see what I did with the, the altar? Did you not see what I did with the rain? It's not what happened. Look at verse 3. And he was afraid and arose and look at this, ran for his life. Now, isn't that a contrast from what had happened just before when he was on the mountaintop doing great things for the Lord, had this awesome experience, and now he's headed to the wilderness because he was afraid. And you know what? We can talk bad about Elijah, but I've done the same thing. Some of you are doing it right now. So he ran for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, he was up north. He headed as far south as he could get in a hurry. And he left his servant there. Why would he leave his servant? He didn't want anybody to know where he was at. He didn't want Jezebel to have any clue where he was at and said she could send somebody to kill him. He's running for his life. And some of you in this room are still running. Verse 4, four, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, left a servant, took off by himself, and he came and sat down under, and let me say this right, juniper, I call it Jupiter tree in first service, juniper tree, I think that's the way you say that. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life for I'm not better than my father's. This is the same guy in chapter 18 that was doing great things. And at the end of 18, God still had his hand on him. But here he is laying under a tree wanting to die. He said, it's enough now, Lord, take my life for I'm not better than my father's. He laid down, slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise and eat. And then he looked and behold, there at his head was a Bread cake, bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. <clears throat> so he ate and drank. And he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and he touched him and he said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. 
So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights in the Hiram, the mountain of God. You see, when you get to this section of Scripture, here's where Elijah was at. He was burned out. He was depressed. I mean, he had had this awesome experience that used all of his spiritual, mental, and physical strength, and he was wiped out. And I want to give you four things that I think he did wrong, and now I'm going to give you four things. Now, it's eight points. We're going to go quick, so don't get nervous. And I do these same things, these mistakes. Number one mistake he made was in his faulty thinking. Look at verse um, four. He said, oh, Lord, take my life. He was ready to die. Now, let me tell you, in the Jewish culture, suicide wasn't an option. A, a good Jew would never ask or would never commit suicide. So it was easier for him to say, hey, God, take me home. In fact, he says, it is enough. That is faulty thinking, guys. It is never enough till God says it's enough. Never quit the battle till God tells you to. God's equipped you to do something, and he'll walk you through that. Elijah was thinking, no, I can't go on anymore. This, this is too tough. And if you read the life of Moses, Jeremiah, Job, or even Simon Peter in the New Testament, those guys had the same struggle. And you guys have the same struggle. But let me tell you what we need to be thinking. We need to be thinking with the mind of Christ. That's what Elijah needed to be doing, thinking with the mind of God. What would God want? It isn't enough. God's in charge. But then, and I've done this before, faulty comparison. Because look what he says. For I am not better than my fathers. I'm not better than my fathers. You know what? God doesn't need me to compare myself to anybody else. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody else and say, hey, I'm, I'm not even better than those guys. I'm worse than those guys. You're exactly who God created. He's given you gifts and ability. Trust him. Elijah quit doing that during this period. He quit trusting God. And suddenly he, he said, hey, people are a lot better than me. If only he was listening to the Lord and responding to the Lord, he wouldn't have been that way. See, I think at this point, Elijah is pouting. He's thinking, man, those great experiences, but here's Jezebel coming after me, and he's pouting. Man, life is too tough. And y'all ever said that in here? And when he should have been, instead of pouting, he should have been praising God and saying, God, thank you for the victory, and thank you that you'll take care of Jezebel just like you did the prophets of Baal. And, you know, God is always faithful, guys. Sometimes we think he forgets about it. He does not forget about us. Third thing he did wrong, he started blaming. Look at verse 10. He said, for I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. Hey, God, if those guys had done what they'd be doing, I probably wouldn't be in this pickle. Any y'all blame anybody else in your life? Hey, Adam did it. God, that woman you gave me, he's the first one to cast blame. Some of you are willing to blame your boss, your coach, your spouse, your children, name it. Don't need to be blaming anybody else. You're only accountable, and God is only accountable for you and what you do. 
He doesn't answer for anybody else. And the last thing he did is he exaggerated, faulty exaggeration. We do that sometimes because look at the end of verse 10. What does he say? For I alone am left. That was exaggeration. He wasn't the only one left. Look at verse 18 across the page there. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. There were still 7,000 of a remnant left. And Elijah wanted to act like he was the only guy. We sometimes do that. Sounds like a child. I'm the only one. I'm just doing what you want me to do. No, quit blaming somebody else. Quit exaggerating. Look, it's time for some of you to put your eyes on Jesus. You know, it's interesting. In the New Testament, Simon Peter walked on the water. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he sunk like a rock. And I think that's what happens to us sometimes. We take our eyes off the Lord. So I want to give you four things that I think you ought to do. These are four things that earlier that, I don't, that we sometimes do we shouldn't be doing. But let me give you four quick things that you ought to do. And Elijah did these. Number one, you need to learn to rest in the Lord. Psalms 37, 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, I am not very patient. Uh, my family never likes to see me try to work on a car or anything mechanical because I get extremely upset and frustrated. It is not my deal. But my boys have said, Dad, why don't you go in the house and we'll take care of this. We can handle this, okay? I'm not very good on resting and trusting somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And let me say this to you. Some of you in this room are so busy chasing your kids, and some of you with grandkids are so busy chasing your kids and your grandkids trying to do every single thing, you're wore out. And let me tell you something. Elijah was worn out physically. Some of you are worn out physically, and you need to stop and rest. And I love this idea. In verse uh, 5, he lays down and goes to sleep. Verse 6, it says, so he ate and he drank, and he laid down again. I'm getting good at taking naps. I just want to tell you, I can go to sleep in my office really quick these days. I just act like I'm praying and my eyes shut. And I'm not really. Erase that off the tape, please. No. But you hear what I'm saying? Some of you need to slow down and rest in the Lord physically, emotionally, and spiritually and wait patiently for him. See, Elijah got ahead of God. Instead of trusting God, he ran for his life. And we sometimes do the same thing. Rest in the Lord. Let him provide for you. The second thing he did that was correct is he finally released it to God. Look at verse 9 and 10. Then he came to, there to a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And here it's that verse we said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. On one hand, he, he was blaming somebody else, making comparisons. But on the other hand, the thing he did correctly is he was honest before the Lord. Some of you need to release your feelings to God. And let me tell you, God is big enough to take your gripes and, 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 and handle it, okay? 
Anything you say to God, he can handle. Now, I realize if you come to me and say something, I may get my feelings hurt. God doesn't. Some of you need to open up to God and say, God, I've been so bitter. I got anger. I got guilt. I've wandered away from you. I mean, just name it. But let's be honest to God and say, God, this is where I'm at. See, that's why God asked him. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He wanted a while where Elijah was. He knew where Elijah was at, but he wanted to know where he was at spiritually. I think that's a question God asks of every one of us. Where are you? Let God know what you're thinking. I mean, he knows it. Some of you need to just confess some things and say, God, man, I just hadn't trust you. There's another great part of this. He did a revisit with God. Some of you haven't visited with God in a long time. You know, I like noise around me. <clears throat> we, years ago, when our kids were at home, we slept with a fan right by our bed to make noise. Kids are gone. I still sleep with that fan. I go fishing with my buddy, and uh, it's just real quiet in the room because he can't sleep with my little sound machine going. And I lay there, and I finally go to sleep because I'm so used to noise. I get my pickup. I got the radio going. I'm at home by myself, especially if Donna Claire's not there. I got the TV on. I go to bed with the TV on because I don't want to see anybody coming in the room at 3 in the morning. I mean, I'm, I'm that kind of scaredy cat, okay? I always want noise. But you know what? We don't always need noise because I want you to look at what happened in verse 11. Look what happened. God says to Elijah, go forth, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. Look what happens. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. I mean, if you can imagine this, the mountain was just falling apart. Then look what happens. Uh, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But look at here. This is the point. And after the fire a sound of a gentle blowing. And Elijah, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood before the entrance of the cave. You see, guys, let me remind you, God doesn't always come in a big emotional deal or big, big song, big sermon, big event. I, the early service, the choir sang how great they are. And they did an awesome job. I was standing back there and I love it. But you know, that's not, the only way, that's not the only way God spoke, speaks. And I think that's what he was trying to tell you to Elijah. Elijah, I can do the earthquake. I can do the wind. I can do the fire. But today, Elijah, I want you to hear my quiet voice. And I want you to respond to it. And some of you in this room need to respond to God's quiet voice. That's what Elijah did. You know, he was a strong man. He, the earthquake and the, the, the wind and all that probably impressed him. He was, he was a tough guy. But to hear that quiet voice of God changed him. Let me ask you something. Are you listening for the voice of God in your life? It may not be some big thunderous thing. It may just be the pricking of your heart to say, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to walk with me. And then God did a great thing. Last point right here. Verse 14, here's 
Elijah again talking about being zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, your sons, Israel, da da da. But look at verse 15. This is a redirect. God redirected him. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel, king over Aram. God redirected Elijah. But he had to get to that point by releasing some things and being alone with God. I think I say this every time I preach. Don't raise your hand in here. How many of you have spent any time this week looking at God's word besides Sunday morning? And you call yourself a Christian. Guys, you got to be in the word. You got to know the word. I want you to go look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 5. This is what got Elijah started off right. It says in verse 5 of chapter 17, so he, Elijah, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Do you know the word of God well enough that you could do the things of God and live the lifestyle he's called you to do, to be the witness you ought to be in our community because you know the word of the Lord? You see, that's how God used Elijah. And God came back, even in spite of Elijah's fear and, and the faulty thinking and the faulty comparison, he was still a man God could use. And you are still men and women that God can use no matter what the mistakes or however you've been faulty in your thinking or actions have been. God can still use you. And so God gave him a new mission and said, hey, I want you to go and anoint the new king, Hazel. What a difference between verse 14 and 15. God took Elijah and said, Elijah, I can use you. Now I want you to go to second, and we'll close out with this verse, 2 Kings chapter 2. Because here's a great hope for you and I. And look, I got to tell you, you guys think the staff are all perfect. Trust me, we're not. Especially Blake Davis. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. We are men and women who struggle just like you. God's given us a wonderful opportunity to teach and to preach and to serve. Let me tell you, God gives you the same privilege to worship and to serve him. And here's what I love about Elijah. Go to chapter 2 of 2 Kings. And here's how Elijah it winds up. Verse 11, he is, uh, God has told him to appoint Elijah, Elijah as a new prophet. So Elijah and Elijah are walking along. Look at verse 11. And as they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by whirlwind to, the he to heaven. Nobody else has done that except Jesus. Elijah saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Here's a great truth for you and I. No matter what you've done wrong, no matter what sin you've committed, God is able to forgive and to use you in a wonderful way. See, Elijah messed up in chapter 19. He was running for his life, but God still used him to such a point that he, didn't have to, he did not have to experience physical death. He just took him up in a whirlwind. Now guys, here's an encouragement for you. Whatever's going on in your life, God wants to use you. And some of you need to stop 
and reevaluate, reprioritize, and say, okay, God, I'm ready to do things you've asked me to do. Because let me tell you something. We live in a culture that doesn't like us. But the one thing our culture cannot argue against is the difference that Jesus Christ has made in so many lives. Let me encourage you today. Why don't you just say, hey, Lord, I need to revisit with you. Hey, I need to release some things. I need to say, I've been ticked off, Lord. And and he'll, he'll understand. And Lord, I'm ready for you to take my life and use it. Man, we need to be the church, the hands and feet of Jesus. So let me encourage you. Walk by the word of God. Trust the Lord. Don't run for your life. Don't hide. Say, okay, Lord, I'm right here. How do you want to use me? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Before I close this in a word of prayer, I want to give you an opportunity just to pray right where you're at. And when we get through praying, uh, some of the staff will be in each of the belong areas. Man, we'd love to pray with you. You may need to join the church. Maybe you need to ask Christ in your life. Maybe you've never done that. Or maybe today you just need to come and say, guys, I, I need to let you know where I'm struggling. We would love to pray with you and to walk with you in that. So I'm going to give you just, just a moment. You just talk to the Lord. I don't know what you need to tell him, but you tell him what you need to, and then I'll close this with a word of prayer. Father, you know each of our hearts in this room. You know the sin that's in my life that I wouldn't want anybody else to know about. And yet you forgive me and you love me. And you do that for any one of us who would ask for that. And Father, when we look at the life of Elijah, the Bible said he was a man just like we are. He had struggles. And we all have struggles. But Father, may we release to you the things we need to give up allow you to redirect our lives, and may we continually visit with you in your word to walk, to talk, and live as you'd want us to live in this world. Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. And thank you for your still small voice. May we always hear it. For it's in your name that I do pray. Amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.